Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, and this is our kickoff to your July 4th holiday weekend. Our mission remains the same, though, even on a holiday weekend, and that's to serve you and empower you so you make better decisions in your life. And since it's Friday, you know what that means. It's time for our Clark Stink segment where you get to hear how much I've stunk it up. And later, I talked the other day about the changing landscape for employees. Today, I want to talk about what makes the real difference for you as an employer in keeping your employees, getting that loyalty out of them so that they will hang around instead of giving you notice or just suddenly stop showing up. And I want to say something leading in before you get into Clark Stinks. You know that the, you may remember that the 4th of July is my favorite American holiday. I feel so privileged and grateful to live in this great land of ours. I am the grandchild of four immigrants to the United States, all four of my grandparents born overseas. And the opportunity that this country has afforded me, it's just unbelievable. You know, it's said that life is what you make it, but not necessarily because a lot of people where you're born controls so much about what you can become. In this country of ours, we're not perfect. There's a lot of things that we're a work in progress. We got a lot of improvement in front of us, ahead of us. A lot of things we could certainly do better, but this is a land of opportunity, and we've been a beacon of freedom and hope to people around the world for generations. So for me, this is my favorite American holiday, a day where we celebrate what this country was, the principles it was built on, and what it's become. I think it's really important to acknowledge There are things we've got to, got to do better, but we're doing a pretty great job overall. I want to give one example before you go to Clark Stinks. So the other day, I was driving along on a highway and witnessed a just very violent one-vehicle accident, and I was coming the opposite direction, but was looking straight at this accident happened, there were four cars that people witnessed the accident. All four cars stopped. And it was amazing. One was a family, doctor, his wife and son, young lady who had just graduated from high school, and a woman who was manager of a fast food restaurant, and me. And the first car that was able to pull over was the woman at the fast food restaurant manager and she had just ended her shift and she went running into the vehicle and run off the road into embankment into the woods and you couldn't even find the car and she went right in there like she like she needed a machete to get through and scraped herself up getting in there got to the two people first and they both were amazingly, the, the SUV completely totaled, 
I don't even know how a tow truck could get it out of where it ended up. The doctor immediately started attending to both of these kids. They were high school students. And, and they, they were, were okay. They were both okay. I, th- I think I think one of them was a little injured, but was so shook up, didn't yeah. even, wasn't aware, would realize later. But it was great having the doctor there that we all did our part. I don't know what I did. <laughs> I was just there. But anyway, I'm everybody sure was doing I'm sure you talked to them about insurance and everything. <laughs> no, I did not. I, I actually called the, the young lady's mom. Mm. Making that phone call as a parent of three, Ugh. making that phone call and having to tell a mom that her daughter had just been in an accident and tell her the circumstances and all that. I mean, it was, uh, that was no fun at all. I can't imagine being a police officer having to go tell a parent something like that. But anyway, I digress. I just wanted to point that out because we hear all the time about what is wrong with America, what's wrong with our state, what's wrong with our community, what's wrong in our neighborhood. But over and over again, things that don't make the news, people who one by one and collectively make a difference to make society better. And right now, Americans are kind of down on America. We feel like we just don't have it together. The reality is we've lost some confidence, some collective confidence in this country. But we got it in us. We got it in us to make this country better. And I want you to think about that this holiday weekend as you spend time with family or go somewhere um, to the lake or whatever you do over a 4th of July holiday weekend or week, just reflect on what we do have that's mm-hmm. good in this country. And with that, enough, enough. Okay. Is that preaching? No, that I, say, preaching, I, think, I think you're right. A lot of people say, look to the helpers. When you get upset, look, look at all the helpers and the wonderful things it's important to focus on. So let's focus on how you stink, man. Okay, we're going to start with this one from Don. Recently, you suggest, you discussed using music streaming from your phone to your car radio instead of using Sirius XM. That's a great idea, but you failed to mention that you can very quickly exceed the data plan on your cell service. We have three phones on our plan, my wife, my adult daughter, and myself. Our plan allows 20 gigabytes of data per month. My daughter was using Apple Play, as you suggested, in her car and used about 15 gigabytes with nine days remaining on the billing month. I received a notice that we'd used over 75% of our data and examined our usage to find who was using it. Fortunately, I was able to stop my daughter from doing this. And again, that's from Don. So Don, uh, one thing I'd like you to look at, I appreciate that. And we've had lots of people. I didn't know that Sirius XM had so many strong, strong, strong uh, advocates. But uh, look at Mint Mobile, M-I-N-T Mobile. They have a family plan that requires two or more people to be on it. And you don't have to put everybody on the same plan. If you think about the standard playbook of T-Mobile, Verizon, and AT&T. If you go on a family plan, everybody's got to do unlimited when most people don't need that. Well, what they do at, at Met Mobile is you get the family plan rate, but each person picks what they need. So two of you don't need unlimited data. You can go on the cheapest plan. And then your daughter can be on the one with unlimited data 
and you won't ever have to worry about overages and their prices are really, really cheap on the family plan. I appreciate Clark sharing his journey with prostate cancer with his listeners, but I would want him to stop repeating false information that's often presented in the media. Prostate cancer is not the leading cause of cancer deaths in men and breast cancer is not the leading cause of cancer deaths in women. The leading cancer death cause in both genders is lung cancer and continues to be so as it has been for years. Sincerely, Rebecca, a hospice nurse practitioner. What a special person you have to be to do that job. Right. Rebecca, thank you for pointing that out. And I want to mention something that hasn't come up in years because we're not a medical show. If you were a longtime cigarette smoker, lung cancer caught early is very treatable. Lung cancer caught late is sadly almost always fatal, which is why it's the number one cause of cancer deaths. But there's now a very simple scan that can be done of people who have a history of smoking or currently do smoke that lung cancer caught, particularly at stage one, is almost always completely treatable and will not cost you your life. Lung cancer is a silent killer that you don't know that you have it generally till it's past too late. And so it does have this simple process that's, that's really only recommended, at least today, for people who do have a history of smoking. Your advice, warning, never get roadside assistance from your insurance provider, is not always true. When you have an accident and blocking the road, police would want to move your car right away. So they will call their towing service to move your car and not wait for your AAA tow truck. In such a situation, you're required to pay for that towing service, which will be covered by a roadside assistance rider from your auto insurance. Hence, your advice should be use auto insurance roadside assistance only when police want to call a towing service and use AAA at all other times. And that's from Chatan. Wow, I never thought of that angle, but you're right that uh, you have a car that's immovable then the the police want that vehicle out of the roadway because it prevents follow-on accidents and it allows the flow of traffic. Now, some police departments have those big battering things on the front where you can have them, if your car is really beat up, you can have them just push it off to the side of the road for you. But that is a really clever idea. You're going to have an insurance claim anyway, so having... The towing on top of it or roadside assistance on top of it will not cause the damage to your insurance that would be otherwise. I like that. And uh, here's one. Clark, stop making fun of Krista for her love of Starbucks. We're all entitled to our small joys in life. And if she loves Starbucks, it is her right. She's worked for you for so long. I'm sure she's well aware that Starbucks costs more than Folgers. But if it was all about money and not about the small joys, wouldn't she have switched to the cheapest brand out there years ago? Perhaps I'm just speaking for myself, but your public commentary towards a dear friend can make the rest of us feel awkward or ashamed for the things we do splurge on. I'm sure we can all find some items that you choose to spend on because because they are more fun and bring you joy. Cough, cough, Tesla. And I would say cough, cough, ice cream. Stop being such a Scrooge, but thank you for all you do to help us save money. And I did have another one. Uh, it was weird. I had a couple of people write in too saying that they thought you were mean to me. And oh. I think it's, you know what it is? We've known each other so long. We're like brother and sister and we joke and you exaggerate about me and it's all in fun. And if you watched our YouTube videos, you would see that. 
But maybe some people don't realize and that. And audio, we're, yeah, people that think If I'm I took offense, let me tell you, I would let Clark know, and he knows that. <laughs> the mic would go off, and we would talk about it. But I do not at all. You're like the nicest person. Yeah, Krista's from New York, and you would never hesitate to give an opinion. No, no. Okay. Um, no, but I on the Starbucks thing, really, it's just in jest. Yeah. Because you are, what you don't know about Krista is Krista's very methodical about saving money and i'd say in ways that are incredibly sophisticated how you have an account for this to meet this goal an account for that to meet that goal and on like that to make sure that you can track everything and make sure you're hitting your goals so you can do whatever you want with the rest of your money because you're so good at well, saving. I've learned so much from you. And I love the fun teasing. It really, that is all it is. And so now I'm going to read one about that I stink, just to counter that. <laughs> I think Krista stinks for her selection of emails. In particular, the recent email from Confused, who criticized Clark for buying jewelry that his wife enjoyed. We teach our kids to save their earnings and allowances to buy things they enjoy. Each of us is entitled to spend our hard-earned money without criticism for the next guy. I would ask Mr. Confused if he ever dined in a nice restaurant because six hours later, he will be just as hungry as when he ate at a fast food joint. And that's from Ian. Okay, so I appreciate your sentiment, Ian, but I actually liked that post questioning why I would buy my wife nice jewelry. She loves nice jewelry. And uh, you really stated the point that it is about having the freedom to make the choices you wish by already having saved the money you need to have financial independence. So the value of that was I was able to say that. If you think back to how I responded on the jewelry, it was that that, that was a choice of consumption I made that I was able to make because I wasn't borrowing money to buy the jewelry or anything like that. And I have money saved for life's needs. So I didn't see that as a negative that somebody was from their perspective was saying, Hey, what are you doing buying your wife? Nice jewelry. Clark, it was about the earrings, yes, right? Yes, it was. Clark, you were wrong about the listener who secretly refills the shampoo and peanut butter with other products. Skippy peanut butter is packed with sugar, and that's why his kids love it. And the fancy brand it replaced likely has less sugar. Do you remember this one? The guy who was refilling the peanut butter from the fancy peanut butter jar with Skippy he was buying, and then his the shampoo bottle for his daughter and stuff with generic shampoo. Uh, as for the shampoo, if someone in the house colors their hair, has curly hair, or has anything else special about their hair, buying specific shampoos can keep you from going to the salon as often. I guarantee the cost of recoloring or deep conditioning hair at the salon is way higher than the specialty shampoo. Putting costs aside, certain shampoos can simply make hair easier to handle for someone with long, curly, colored, or other special hair concerns. The presumption that this person has in order to make life a little more difficult for someone else simply because they may not have the same concern, is disturbing. I cannot imagine how I'd feel if my partner did this to me. You missed the boat on this one. I appreciate that. This went back to uh, me talking about what I did to my kids with cereal yeah. as a kid. And uh, you point out a very valid reason why that's not okay. And I appreciate that so much. And by the way, how am I doing with coloring my hair? <laughs> Do you know I get so many people come up to me who watch me on TV and ask if I color my hair? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Because I feel like I got a fair amount of 
Yeah, no, now, don't I? No, I'd say you still have you still I got have that mostly, bald spot in the mostly back. you still have your color not graying too fast. I guess we're not all stressing you out too much, huh? Definitely not. But I, I just think that's it's kind of funny because people feel so much like like they know you so well from that it's they don't look at that as a weird question. Right, say. no. So how often do you color your hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really funny. Oh, well, so coming up ahead, I'm such a believer in loyalty and how you create that loyalty in a workforce. And I want to tell you what a difference it makes when employees truly, really feel cared about and not just told they are. You know, a big problem for employers is having motivated employees, having retention of employees. And my belief has been all through my career as an entrepreneur, going back 40 plus years, is that the core, the key is how do you treat the people who work for your organization? And you look at any of these mission statements from any big corporation And they all say the same malarkey about how much they value their workers and blah, 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 blah. But it's what they really do or don't do that matters. And there's one thing in particular that I've seen that really, really makes the big difference. And that is when employees know that they have a direct stake in the game. Companies that focus on having employees have a direct reward from the success of the business are companies that will have the hardest, most motivated workers. One of the things that's interesting about all the tech companies based in California, where California long ago eliminated any restriction with covenants not to compete, that people can can work at a place and then go somewhere else the next day if they want. But a lot of the tech companies in California have been able to develop a very, very fiercely loyal workforce. Why? Because people working there know that if the company does well, they get stock grants. And that has been the standard formula that has allowed the technology industry in the United States to vastly outrun the technology industry everywhere else in the world by having employees that are as bright and well-educated and talented and hardworking as they could possibly be because they know if the company succeeds from their efforts, they succeed as well and can end up being very wealthy from working at that company even though they didn't put up the risk capital. It's their time in the workforce they put up. And if that company succeeds, they succeed. I think that that, among everything that I talk about that employers would benefit from more if they did more of this, that, or the other for their employees, having employees see the if-then, that if you do well, the company does well, you make more money, it's been a philosophy of mine forever. And so that's why I've always been into doing bonuses based on the company's profit every year, something I did way back forever ago when I was in the travel business. So people knew that if they put in a little extra effort 
or save the company money, it meant there was more money for them at the end of the year. But forget my own example. Let's look at one that Barron's wrote about a while back. And you may or may not have heard of this company. It's a regional supermarket chain called Public Supermarkets based in Central Florida. And Publix that has supermarkets up and down the eastern seaboard is unbelievably profitable. Like Publix, according to Barron's, tiny company compared to Kroger, which besides Walmart's the biggest grocer in the United States, Publix has bigger profits as a tiny grocer. This is little regional grocer. They have more profits than the entire Kroger does in the whole country. Their rate of profit is four times that of Kroger and the other big national player, Albertsons. And how do they do it? The company is owned by the employees. You and I can't buy stock in this unbelievably profitable company. But you go into their stores, if you're ever in a region of the country where there's a Publix, you'll see that more often than not, it's going to be ultra clean. It's going to be merged really well, meaning that everything's displayed really well in the store. The employees have hustle. And if people are in too long a line to check out, even on a Friday evening, they will hustle to get people through those lines and get them out of the store because the employees can come to work at Publix out of high school and end up earning a nice middle-class lifestyle and by the end of the road have enough stock that they end up rich and retire in great comfort. And so they have these ultra-long-term employees. And this is not a commercial for Publix. It's about the fact that what made it work is that 90% of their employees participate in being owners of the company. And they are rewarded for being owners of the company. This is a secret sauce in business. Is what do you do to make that connection with employees? It doesn't have to be something as different as what Publix does where it's owned by the employees. It can be how you treat your employees overall. Everything you've done. I talked before about why is it that employees at Costco generally have that hustle in them because of how they're treated by the company, the benefits they're given, the pay they're given, the respect they're given. And so that's what it's about. You know, companies that that really get that, that really do that where they, instead of it being a slogan that they care about their workers, they actually do. Man, does it make a difference. And what happens is more people shop at a place where the employees are treated well because the atmosphere is better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, we have a question here from Iris in Georgia. What is the best place to apply for a small business loan? And how much should it be to open a restaurant from the ground up? My family's dream is to own a Mexican grill and bar, but we have no idea where to go. So, Iris, one advantage you have right now is there are a lot of restaurants that sadly did not make it. And so the cost of opening a restaurant potentially is a lot lower 
than it would have been pre-2020. And the deals are not as good today as they were last year. But if you can find a restaurant that is in a location you really like, that has equipment in it that's been abandoned behind kitchen equipment and all the rest that costs a zillion dollars, that has been left behind, that's in good condition, then that reduces your cost of opening that restaurant by an enormous amount and reduces the time it takes to get your doors open, which is a big money cost. If you've got a six or eight month build out, it allows you to get revenue coming in a lot quicker. So the answer in opening a restaurant, there is no one answer on what it's going to cost to open one. But what I'd like you to do is I want you to look up SCORE, score SCORE.org, the Service Corps of Retired Executives. That is an organization of retired entrepreneurs, retired business owners, retired uh, corporate types who will help guide you in putting together your business plan for your restaurant. What's it actually going to cost, not just to open the doors, but to deal with the cash flow issues till you build up enough revenue that you're cash flow positive in that restaurant. Then the other great advantage is the SCORE people help you do that business plan that you have to have to apply for loans anyway. They can guide you to lenders that will do an SBA small business loan for you and help you with what the limits are. So I can't tell you what it's going to cost to open that restaurant, how to get it started. But you asked where you have no idea where to go. I think the first place you go is score.org to the local chapter and it's available near you. And depending on the score chapter, they may offer you a mentor where you have an individual who uh, may be retired from the restaurant business or something like that, who can guide you in the kind of things you got to be aware of, how you build that business plan, what the expenses are you have, how you find a good location, all the things involved with getting started. And then most SCORE chapters also have group seminars where they talk about different phases of being a business owner. And I think that's where you start, is developing your business plan. But one other thing, Iris, have you worked or someone in your family worked in a Mexican restaurant? If the answer is no, I want you to go spend a few months working in one because you will learn so much that will help you in forming that business plan and in figuring out, is it really the right business for you and what's going to be involved? And you see the mistakes other people make, but you're doing it on their dime working for them. I was also going to say maybe go to other towns where you wouldn't be competing and find some Mexican restaurants and see if the owners will do like an informational interview and like what they, what mistakes they made and how, you know, how they started their business. And that's a great idea. Um, This is from T in Maryland. Hi Clark. I recently read an article about arrived, which is a Jeff Bezos backed startup allowing persons to invest in rental houses for as little as $100 for fractional ownership. I'm interested in your thoughts and whether or not you believe this is a good investment. So uh, T, first of all, Bezos does through his investment arm have 
a small part of this, and it gives them the ability at Arrive to say, yeah, Jeff Bezos backs us. And so I wouldn't use that as the credibility that, yeah, so you should do this. So we've had a lot of questions about these groups before. This one works very similar to others. You pay a 1% commission on the money you put in. And uh, I don't think anybody really just puts in $100. The idea is so that it's not an intimidating thing. You could put in 100 but it's really designed for people putting in low thousands of dollars to um, pass 10000 or more dollars so that you are part of pooling money to own individual real estate properties that are generally rented out. There are a lot of private equity houses that are controversial in some parts of the country because they've been competing against individuals trying to buy homes, buying properties, and then turning them into rental houses. And that's what these people do. So you put in your money, you pay the 1% commission, then you pay ongoing expenses that usually in these, I'm trying to remember if this one's 8%, uh, 10%. A lot of times that amount of money is taken by the organization and then the rest of the net proceeds are paid out to the investors. So this is a way of being involved as a real estate investor, as a passive investor. And it is something that is not a scam. It's not a ripoff. It's a little expensive with paying the 1% up front and the share you have to pay. What's the alternative would be going into a uh, real estate mutual fund or index fund where you would be in a much more diversified portfolio. But there's nothing at all wrong with doing this or doing the other one we've been asked about a lot, Fundrise, other than the fees can get a little pricey eating into the net proceeds that you and other investors receive. And I'd like to thank you so much for joining us on this July 4th holiday weekend kickoff podcast next week. Well, I'm taking the holiday week off. So there will be no podcast next week. Hope you have a wonderful holiday week next week. And we'll be with you on next July 11th. Mm -hmm. July 11th.